Um, it's really great to have you here. And we're going to talk about marriage. And the reason is, is because the word of the year is the word develop. And we call it marriage reset because our marriages always need reset. Now and then, there's always times we get into unhealthy patterns, things that need to change, things that need to be addressed, and they're not. And when they're not, they continue to fester and cause more problems until you reset. Well, there's three particular things I want to talk with you about today that if you apply these to your life, you will reset your marriage. And I'd like to pray with you before we start. So please bow your head and let me pray over us. Lord, I pray over everyone here, myself included, that you'll help us reset today. Uh, Just like some of those people shared with me on the way out uh, in the last service. Boy, did I need that. I need to reset. I need to push the reset button. I am sure there's people here today that are in conflict with each other, in difficult situations, both of them facing big problems or something's happening. Would you help them reset today? To be able to look at the Word of God again and get insight and understanding about what they need to do to have a marriage uh, by God's design. And so, Lord, we come to you asking you this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in our culture right now today, we are being taught in various different ways through media, through all kinds of writings and thoughts and people speaking, that marriage as it is traditionally designed just plain doesn't work. Over and over again, they seem to be trying to tell us this in many different ways. And we hear it, in, in, like I said, that the idea that there's really no mo- romance in marriage, the love doesn't last in marriage, it's even considered by some to be abusive because you can't claim your rights, and that children get hurt through marriage because it ends up in divorce most of the time. I react to that very negatively, very strongly against that. After 43 years of being married myself, after doing hundreds of marital counseling situations in premarital counseling as well as people in trouble in their marriage and counseling them and seeing success in their lives and seeing marriage actually work, I believe marriage does work. Here's the problem. We don't do it. I, I agree with Dr. Howard Hendricks. He once said this, it's not that marriage has been tried and found wanting. It's that true marriage, the way it's designed, has seldom been tried. We don't get it. It's the foundations that are missing. It's the fundamentals that are missing. You build a marriage with faulty foundation, guess what? Little trial, little problem, little conflict, and boom, the whole thing comes falling down. It's an epidemic in America right now. Marriage is falling apart. And I'm suggesting you, it's because they have faulty foundation. They're trying to build on the wrong, wrong foundations. And our culture is like applauding them or even telling them, no, you don't do that. It doesn't work anyway. Like, just live together. Just hang out until you get sick of each other and find somebody else. Like, what? That's going to work? No, it doesn't work. And in fact, we're paying a very, very heavy price in a lot of damaged relationships, a lot of damaged people, and a lot of problems because of that. And I want to show you three things as I put down the outline of your sermon, provided for you in your bulletin, three truths that make a marriage work. It's helping us go back to the fundamentals and understand what it was truly all about from the beginning. Now, these three truths, if you put them into your life, if you adopt them, if you accept them as reality for both of you, I'm telling you, you can literally today reset your marriage. Here's what they are. Number one, you first need to understand... God invented marriage. 
There is no place in human history, there's no book that you can go back to even the Egyptian hieroglyphics and where they say, well, here's what we decided. Here's how it's going to work. A man will be with a woman and they will connect and make a covenant or contract together and that'll be the basis of every society that ever exists from now on. That's kind of the backbone that makes it up. No. The only place we have is in Scripture. In the book of Genesis, when God created man and woman, he then decided, here's how it's going to work. You ready? Here's where it appears in Scriptures. Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 24. Like he said, he just finished making man and woman, and look what he says. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Notice what that says there. God actually does it, not just us. God seemed to understand, (laughs) that's jokingly said, that all societies that ever exist hang together by small units. And those smallest units in every society are what we call family units. And family units are made up by one man and one woman making a covenant, a contract, a promise, somehow an agreement to hang together, have children together, and raise those children together. And when societies don't do that, they literally collapse from the inside. They rot out. And it's happening in America in epidemic proportions. It's horrible what's happening. And a lot of damage is is in the wake. For example, I believe that's why the violence is on the rise in America. I believe that's why there's mass shootings. I believe that's why there's political strife. I believe that's why there's alcoholism and, and drug abuse and divorce and economic problems even. I think they can all be traced, even suicide, back to the broken families. Here's why. People in their deepest need want what? They want to be loved. And they want to love others. And if there's not love between two people to make the smallest units hold together, it won't work. And destructive, horrible, abusive, awful things happen in families, to children, to spouses. And it's happening in America. It's like, I can't scream it loud enough. I can't shout it clear enough. This is what's wrong. This is why we have the violence. This is why we have the abuses. This is why people are hooked on opioids. This is why things are going on. It's all at the root cause of marriage and family. This is where we got to target our efforts. This is what we got to talk about. And the first thing you need to understand is we didn't invent the concept. God did. It's God's ideas. We need to go back to the blueprint and look at what God said. I'll never forget, I have some friends out west. I've known for 20 plus years, Rob and Angela. And when I first met them, their marriage was horrible, horrible. They were just young in their 20s. They already had a little child and their marriage was hanging by a thread. And he had his life and she had her life and they had no foundation they understood. They're just going by what our culture said. Hey, we fell in love and we're going to get married. Great, they did. And it was already, even in the beginning years, I think they'd only been married maybe five, six years. It was already done. And it got worse. They even ended up getting separated. They didn't live together for six months. Rob got into drugs even. It was a mess. And then Angela found the Lord and had a group of ladies in church praying with her about her broken marriage and praying that Rob would come back. And so sure enough, unbelievable, God got a hold of Rob and he got saved. And then they started going to church. Then they went to marital counseling. Then they started being healed. And they literally go around. They've taught seminars on marriage. <laughs> 
It's amazing. Because they're going, if our marriage could work, here's a piece of cake. We didn't even live together for six months. We were dead, gone, over. And look what God can do. What did they do? They went back to the fundamentals. They went back to the blueprint. They went back to the original design and said, you know what? We screwed up because we didn't build it right. We built it on a foul, faulty foundation. Let's go look at what God says. And what God says marriage is going to work on, on the basis of his, his invention. How foolish it would be to try and do something without the inventor's design. That's the first thing you need to learn. Second thing is this, the second truth. God marries people together. Look with me at, at Matthew chapter 19. In your Bibles, in the book of Matthew chapter 19, it tells a story about Jesus. Jesus had left Galilee and he went to a new area. And in that new area, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, were threatened by him. So they thought, well, let's trick him and show everybody that he's a false rabbi. He's not one of us. So, Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? They knew. That's a trick question. Because there was a big division then about how or why you should divorce. There was two, two major groups. One said you could divorce her whatever you want. Another one said, no, no, there's certain laws you have to follow. And they thought, we're going to make him choose sides. And so they asked Jesus that question. You know what he did? Genius, Jesus goes. Uh, it's almost like he says, you know, you guys are kind of missing the point. And he quotes the passage I just read to you in Genesis. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife or hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one. He's trying to remind them, guys, you didn't invent it. You can't, you can't tell me how it's going to work. God invented it. So then he applies the passage, and here's what he says. Ready? Luke, excuse me, Matthew chapter 19. Look at verse uh, 6. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And you guys are asking me a question about how people can separate it when people didn't put it together. God makes two people. What God has joined. It's like he's looking at these Pharisees saying, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. What do you mean? What's legal or what's not? What's right? What's, what would you know? God is the one that makes people one. Do you understand that? To a human being, to you and me, what does one plus one equal? Two. This was not a hard question. Two, right? To God, he's saying one plus one equals what? One. What? That's impossible. Right. For you, it's impossible. For him, it's clearly possible. What God has joined together, let no man separate. You can't make it work. And that's what he's trying to tell the Pharisees, guys. You can't make this work. Only God can make this work. Then when two people, a man and a woman, look to God, then God brings humility upon them. Then God brings confession to each other about their sins or their problems or with, on each other. Then God brings unity and love into the relationship when they put God at the head. I've had three daughters. They did all three of their weddings. And at the last wedding was Gina and Mikey. Gina and Mikey Masters now. And um, they, they asked me... Uh, to do something different to symbolize this. And so we came up with an idea. You know how I love visual aids. So I said, what if I take one ribbon 
And this ribbon symbolizes all of Gina's gifts and abilities. I, I mean, you know, if you've ever been, Gina can sing like an angel. Gina's got great artistic gifts. Gina's very cute and fun to be with and a great conversationalist. You know, okay, I could, I could say that while I wind it around her wrist. And then I could take another one and say, Mikey. Mikey's got great gifts. He's an amazing guy. Uh, very smart. Got his master's degree. All this stuff. I could mention all these great things. All this stuff about his gifts and say, well, now here we are. We got Gina and we got Mikey. They have all these gifts and all these skills. So what are we supposed to do? We got to rip up some of Gina and kind of mend him in? Or take part of Mikey and, and it, it's not going to work so good. And yet our culture seems to say that. That somehow compatibility is going to make it work? I don't believe it has ever worked that way. The Bible says that if you take God, a third strand, and put him together, it'd be like, now I have three daughters, so I learned how to braid hair. <laughs> you can't braid two. You can braid three. You put the third, brand, third, third strand in the middle and you put the other two around them. That's exactly what he's saying. Whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. You can't. It becomes strong when you put God in the middle. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. The second point is all about the second principle, the second law of marriage, the second truth you need to understand. Number one, God invented it, and only God makes it work. Because it's really hard to break yourself up or break your partner up to make them bend to you. And then it becomes about your agenda, his agenda, her agenda. And I'm telling you, how many times have I sat in the counseling room, she's at one end of the couch, he's at the other, and she said, and he said, and we're never going to get anywhere until they stop that. And they both agree, you know what? We need to solve this problem. There were these conflicts, and we can only do it when we look to God and His agenda. So, number one, God invented it. Number two, God makes it really work. And how does God do it? Point three. The third thing is, third truth, God empowers marriages to happen. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's writing to a church where people with marital problems, just like you and me, and he says this, gentlemen, this whole marriage thing is never going to work for you until you decide one thing. You are going to have to sacrifice. And he compares it to Jesus Christ dying on the cross. He says that's what it's going to take. You give up your time, your money, your energy for that woman or it ain't going to ever work. Never going to work. Then he turns to the girls. He says, women, you want your marriage to work? Then you need to submit to your husband. That's right. You need to let him be the boss. Let him, if you want him to take care of you, then tell him to take care of you. Let him be in care. Let him be in charge. So it's unbelievable. He's telling guys, you've got to sacrifice. He's telling women, you've got to submit. Like both of them are going, why? Why would I do that? Last verse, he says in chapter 5, this. Listen to what he says. However, let each one of you love his wife, he says to the man, as himself. So guys, you've got to love her like you would love yourself. And let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. God understood when he invented marriage that there's a vast difference between men and women. Again, a lie our culture's teaching us. No, they're basically the same. No, they're not. They're drastically different in all kinds of different ways. 
So he doesn't say, well, then just get along and love each other. He says, no. Guys, you got to learn to love your wife, and that's going to take sacrifice. And girls, you got to learn to respect your husband, and that's going to take submission. Because a man needs to be respected, and a woman needs to be loved. It's part of the core issue. It's part of the hard wiring in which God made them. Wow. Again, the Bible comes across as ingenious. Because God knows our very nature, our design. He made us. There's a guy who's spent a lot of time on this verse and in this subject. His name is Dr. Emerson Ingrish. In fact, he has his PhD in this particular area. He's a psychologist. He travels around the country with his wife, and they teach things about love and respect. He's even written a great big book called Love and Respect. It's incredible. And in there, he gives three basic key elements. He, he, he calls them insights. Listen to how he says this. I just want to read these three to you, and we'll be done. I'm going to turn it over to Brent. He says, You will discover a simple truth hidden in plain sight that explains why your spouse negatively reacts to you. And it differs from why you negatively react to your spouse. Typically, you both see the other as childish when negatively reacting because you wouldn't ever react that way. Ring a bell? Well, what is the simple truth? Simple truth is men need respect and women need love. But the problem is women are good at giving love but not so good at giving respect and men are good at showing respect but not so good at showing love. Ooh, what are we going to do? Second, the key to motivating your spouse is to meet your spouse's deepest felt need during conflict, which differs from your deepest felt need during conflict. Commonly, you both overlook the other's felt need during conflict because you feel that the other ought not to feel that way. Last service, that caused hilarious laughter. They, they were like, yeah, it's true. Like, I hope you heard what I, you got the meaning of what I'm trying to say. What's the deepest need? What's the problem? A man needs respect, and a woman needs love. Number three, third insight. In all marriages, there are seasons in which one spouse is less responsive to the other for any number of reasons. What can motivate you during that season when your spouse is not motivating you? A man needs love. Excuse me, a man needs respect and a woman needs love. So, if I'm a man and I'm a lot better at showing someone respect than I am loving, what do I do? I go to God. Don't you get it? God has to change me. If I'm a woman and I'm a lot better at loving him than respecting him, what does God have to do to my heart? He has to give me his grace, his strength to respect him, his strength to love her. Because it's normally the opposite. And God has to change you. Once again, we learn what? It takes God to invent marriage. It takes God to make it work. It takes God to make it really happen in your life. So, to push the reset button this morning, I'm telling you the number one thing you need to do is embrace these truths for yourself, for your marriage. That, that your changed thinking would happen. Your changed understanding would take place. You'd begin to realize when you're in the midst of a fight or in the midst of a conflict, oh, well, she sees it quite a bit differently or, oh, he's looking at this from another angle. That's right. Now you're starting to get it. 
Because what God joins together, no man can separate. Well, why don't you let God do it? And that's what I want to pray with you about right now. Would you bow with me in prayer? Right here in the middle of this service, Lord, we want to call upon you. I know there's people here who are in conflict right now in their marriage, in difficult sessions, or maybe for years they've had all kinds of fights and problems and quarrels. Or, or maybe they're healthy, but they're just going through a difficult time right now. And they need to push the reset button. If you feel that way, just say, Amen, Lord, that's me. I want to push it. I want to push the reset button. I need to go back to the fundamentals. I didn't invent this thing. You did. I fell in love. At least I thought I was. And now I'm realizing, wait a minute. I'm trying to make this work when you're the one that makes it work. What God joins together. I want to be joined like you want me to be joined. The way you want it to be. And then thirdly, Lord, you're the one that's going to give me the power to show the love or the respect that I don't have. So I look to you to reset my marriage. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Brent, I'm going to turn it over to Brent right now. Well, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Marty. You bet. Yeah, hi, I'm Pastor Brent, uh, and I want to just introduce myself and my family to you. Uh, this is my family, uh, Beth in the center, and then Sam, uh, Luke in the middle, and then Jake on the side. Yeah, I want to share a story with you, though, as we get started. And uh, the, the story is uh, true but regrettable. When Beth and I were first married, uh, we were working, Beth was going to grad school, and we were living in a small house, and shoes quickly became a problem, because uh, we had no closet space, so the shoes were everywhere. I think they moved on, the, on their own, I think they multiplied, <laughs> so we were constantly stepping on shoes. So in my young married mind, I had the brilliant idea to place shoes outside the bedroom door in our little hallway where Beth was dutifully studying and writing a paper, thinking that I wanted to, uh, you know, help Beth understand the, the pain that I felt to step over shoes or step on shoes. So then I waited for her response. Well, what happened was epic. Yes, Beth did not come to the epiphany that I thought she would come to of the error of the ways of the shoes. Instead, Beth promptly went to our bedroom window and opened it and began throwing my shoes into the front lawn. <laughs> yes, it's true. So, you know, I, of course, acted quite maturely and went to the other bedroom window and began tossing the shoes out the other bedroom window. Yes, so before we knew it, our shoes were on the front lawn. Uh, so after things calmed down, we apologized and asked for forgiveness and went out and collected our shoes from the front lawn. Yeah, and asked, answered the questions of our uh, retired neighbors about why the shoes were on the front lawn. Yeah, and uh, as you can imagine, too, the uh, shoe jokes did not end until we moved away from there. <laughs> so I know I'm not the only one that has struggles with their marriage or has made poor choices in their marriage. Every week we get couples who come through uh, the church and the ministry uh, reaching out to us for help with their marriage. Uh, so, and I know, you know, it's, it's marriage is hard. We know it's obviously... Uh, it's God-designed, but uh, we tend to mess it up. We tend to treat each other poorly. We tend to uh, take each other for granted. 
But, um, and I, I tell you, I don't know if you remember last month with all the snowfalls. We had all, all kinds of sudden snowfalls, and uh, branches and limbs were bent, broke. Uh, and this is a branch actually up by Princeton. But it's just, the, I felt like God gave me, kind of gave me the analogy of the weight of some of these relationships that come through our, our ministry. You know, some of them bend, and then some of them break. And uh, it's just a kind of a tangible reminder of how, you know, sometimes we need help. We need help with marriages. So as Pastor Marty shared, I want to talk about, first point, I want to talk about God-centered marriage. What does a God-centered marriage look like? Well, we know, obviously, it begins with a personal relationship with Christ. A personal relationship where you're leaning on Christ. You've asked Christ to forgive you your sins. And you have a personal relationship. And then it begins with prayer. Prayer with each other, prayer to God. Because I don't know about you, but uh, a lot of times I, I talk to couples, and it's like they're, they're, yeah, sad to say that they're, they're not even they're not praying together. They may pray separately, but they're not praying together. And how I don't know about you, but uh, when Beth prays for me out loud, uh, it's it really is encouraging to know that she goes before the throne on my behalf. So I would encourage you to pray. Pray with your spouse, and even if you can, pray out loud. And then obviously share your burdens with one another. But keep God in the center of the marriage, just as Marty talked about and Ecclesiastes Pastor talked about the the cord. God is the glue that brought you guys together, uh, and that's where it should be. So I want to talk about the next thing is loving one another. You know, as a counselor... uh, a lot of times you see, you, see uh, you know, people coming through your ministry and it's like, it's, it's a struggle to love their spouse. It's a struggle to treat their spouse with some of the same common courtesy. You even treat a stranger. Uh, and this, tragically, sometimes that goes on for years, sometimes even decades. But love each other emotionally. Talk to your spouse about what is going on in their life. Talk to your spouse about the struggles they're going through. Talk to your spouse about the highs and the lows of their day. But connect emotionally. And also just, you know, and when you do that, talk to them about what God is leaning or God is teaching them. God is guiding them in their life. Because if they're connected with God, you know, God is speaking to them. Because God speaks through many different ways. People, things, places, God speaks through us. So talk to your spouse about that. Talk to them about the, their godly longings, the desires of their hearts. And I know some of you will say, you know, that you may not be in a marriage relationship right now. You may be dating or you may, but we all have relationships. So these fundamentals are things that can help you in any relationship, even in your family relationships or your friend relationships. These are some fundamentals. But you may tell me that, hey, your marriage is not anywhere close to this. Your marriage is just not even, some of the stuff is just way beyond where you're at. You may even feel that your marriage is, is, is over. I can tell you there's hope. I've seen God bring dead marriages back to life. I've seen God take couples who were just hating on each other and renew that friendship and renew that marriage and move that, that, that faith. Have you ever had your cell phone act funny and you've had to get to the point where you had to turn it off and kind of reset it? I have. 
but I, I feel like that, that's another example that I've seen is that sometimes we need a reset. Sometimes we need a reset in our life. Sometimes we need a reset to just take a pause and take a break and reset your marriage. Now, what this looks like is what I've encouraged couples to do is where you just basically you take a time, you pray about what you want to share with your spouse about the pain, maybe the hurt, the frustration, resentment, bitterness, whatever is stopping you from loving one another, and you pray about it. Pray about what you're going to share. Pray about how you're going to share it, and pray about your, your pray for your spouse to hear the words that you have to share. And then you go, and you can, you can write it in a letter. You can just sit down and talk. But spend that time listening to one another. Not be defensive. You, it needs to be a safe time for you just to share. Share what's on your heart. Share what you feel like has been hindering you from loving each other well. And then ask for forgiveness if you need to ask for forgiveness for your part of it. You know, apologize if you need to apologize for your part of it. But you need to make a reset. And then at the end, make a commitment and pray over it to not continue in those ways. I've had sent couples to, I've recommended to send couples to the beach. When they go to the beach, they take these letters and, and they read over them. And they share and they cry over it. They burn the letter at the beach. They bury it in the sand and agree to leave it there and move forward. Because otherwise, some of these things will just, they'll, they'll drag you down. Because those Sometimes it's tragically, you, you see some of these uh, things, demands that turn into just resentment. That you expect, you, expectations you think that your spouse should know, your spouse should know how to take care of me. Your spouse should know how to love me well. And then it turns into something else. So what I would uh, encourage you to do, if you need to reset, we would be glad to help you. Or you can just do it on your own. But we just want you to know that we have a ministry here. And the marriage coaches spend many, many hours volunteering their time listening to couples who are hurting and are struggling. Now, one thing, I want, the last point I want to talk about is just learning to fall forward. You know, we've all made mistakes. I mean, the shoe story, we've all made mistakes where we've hurt each other or we've done, we've made poor choices on not loving each other well. But what I would say is, is learn from those mistakes because really what we're doing is if we are following Christ, we are heading to heaven. And that's our, our destination. So we want to help love your spouse well and love, help your spouse get ready for eternity. Help your spouse see the things that they need to see that maybe they're not aware of. Like the Matthew passage about the log in the eye. Help them see the things that maybe they're, they're just totally oblivious to. But you, you want to lean forward. You want to fall forward and learn from your mistakes so we don't re- keep on repeating them. So and the, in closing, what I want to do is I want to ask my bride of 26 years to come forward, Beth. It's going to come forward, and Beth's going to pray for the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So I got a shoe collection. <laughs> and I'm going to pray for the guys. So would you uh, bow your heads and join us in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, uh, we just uh, are, are here together. We've learned some things about marriage. Um, and together we want to honor and hallow your name. And what we want is for your kingdom to come in our church, in our homes, in our marriages. And we want your will to be done. We're so thankful that you are the redemption 
and rescue specialist. You've done that for us individually. You saw us in our guilt and our sin and our brokenness. And you rescued us. You redeemed us. You pulled us out of that pit. And now we're walking with you. And you're making us into what you intended us to be all along from the beginning. And we know that marriage can be the crucible for that development. Um, It's very, very hard to spend your daily life with another human being. But we know that that's how you design things. Um, And so I pray for the women in this room. I pray for the women who are single, um, that you've called to that. Um, I pray that you'd bless them and honor that. I pray for those who are longing to be married, that you would bring that person into their life that they can walk along the road with. I pray for those of us who are married. Um, Some of us, um, some women in here may be in agony in their marriage. And I pray for them right now. I pray that you would come alongside them and lift them up. I pray that maybe something that was said today might tie a knot in the end of that rope that they're hanging on by a thread. I pray that they would know that there's hope and there's help. And um, ask that you'd help them to reach out for the help that's here. I pray for all of us, that you'd help us to submit to each other out of reverence for you and your son. Um, Go with us this day. Maybe help us to press reset today and make a new start. In your name, amen. Lord, I want to thank you. Thank you for the chance to be married. Thank you for just the the gift of marriage. Lord, as men, I ask that you just help us. Help us to guard our marriage, guard our eyes, guard our thoughts, guard our ears, and guard our marriage. Help us to become the men that you want us to become. Lord, if we're not married, Lord, I ask you just help prepare us. Help prepare us to just to, to be close to you and lean on you through difficult times. Lord, I just thank you for the many, many blessings that you've given to us. And Lord, help us. Help us to be leaders in our homes. Help us just to guide and lead and love our families, our wives well, and our friends. And, and just give us wisdom. And just thank you in your name. Amen.